Welcome to the Secure AF Podcast. I am Jonathan Kimmett, and we are here with a special guest. Uh, we have a new director of security here at Alias Cybersecurity. It's Philip, and uh, we're going to be asking him some questions about where he came from, who he is, what he does, what he intends to do with us, and generally just get to know him. So, Philip, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Jonathan. It's great to be on the podcast again. Actually, I was a guest uh, earlier in the year, I guess, I believe it was. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I'm Philip Wiley. I have a background in cybersecurity. January will make 20 years that I've been in the field. Prior to that, I spent a little over six years as a sysadmin. And most of my career has been spent on the offensive security side, working as a penetration tester, worked as a red team lead for a while. Uh, over five years of my career was spending consulting. Okay. So I think what we need to do is we need to have a red light behind you and a blue light behind me because I've spent most of my life on the blue <laughs> side. Um, so it'd be a great opportunity to go back and forth on those. Well, I, I really appreciate you, number one, coming on the podcast again. Um, and number two, just joining the team. I got really excited whenever, uh, when Donovan told me that you were, you were going to come and join us. And I think we've got some great opportunities. Um, so give me a little bit about your background, you know, what, uh, what really got you into doing pen testing and doing that offensive security? I know I was listening to part of your presentation, uh, at security Congress a couple of, uh, it was last week and, uh, I just found it fascinating and I really wanted to say for the whole session I had to, get, had to run, but so give us a little bit of background about how you got into offensive security or that red team side. Sure. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I've been in, I actually started out on the blue team side. So my first role was working in network security. So we were doing uh, firewall support, intrusion detection system support, some vulnerability scans and some risk assessments. And the company hired a new CISO. And when the, this new CISO came into the company, he had a more, more modern idea of the way security teams should be run. And he put us in different groups and I got put into AppSec group, which worked out really well for me because I was managing our third-party pen test, which got me interested in pen testing. And even before I joined the AppSec team, some of the first security training I took was Foundstone's ultimate hacking course that they had back in the day. And for the listeners, if you're not familiar with that, these are the writers of uh, the Hacking Exposed books. They actually right, had right. these pen testing courses at the time, probably some of the few courses out there. So I took that and then took like a CEH uh, training course sometime along along the line. So for managing these pen tests, you know, when I got into that role, I really didn't realize when I was at AppSec before that, that people actually were doing pen testing as a role. So for managing these third-party pen tests, I got familiar with it. I was doing some vulnerability scans. And so when I got laid off from my job at this mortgage company I worked for for over 14 years, uh, I applied for a role as a pen tester at a consulting company. And fortunately I got it. And I think what helped me is I shared my passion about learning and I did a lot of self-learning because the manager, uh, that hired me liked the fact that I was doing the self-learning because one of the things he always told us when I was working there, he never was really pushing the pen testing courses. He was always telling us to build stuff. Right. So I already had that coming in. So going into that role, I was kind of lucky that they took a chance on me because I didn't have the hacking experience. I had some vulnerability scanner experience and security experience in general. Uh, so then once I joined, I had to learn how to hack. So I took the OSCP course to learn the hacking piece of it. So that's kind of how I got started. Okay. 
So I, the Hacking Exposed books, I remember those. This is probably late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and I remember buying those books to learn how to defend because, I mean, it was in the book. You know, you, here's how you do this. And I would go back on the operating system side and go, okay, how do I stop that? Um, I hadn't thought about those books in years. I know I've got three or four or five of them in storage somewhere. <laughs> so that's really great. That's really interesting. Um, well, okay, let me ask you about that. So when you're thinking about that, the you know, we had this podcast, um, I guess it was a couple of months ago. It was Donovan and I were talking about how to get into cybersecurity and and uh, um the foreshadowing, we're going to have another podcast. The next podcast we do with Philip and I are going to be talking about how do you get into pen testing. But the question is, um, the skills you learned about, you know, the hacking process, you know, this this mental side of hacking process. Um, how did you learning that, you know, how to build things, how to, to get in, you know, how to how to build your systems and operating systems and applications? How did that help you with the pen test side? You know, what was it that it really gave you from that point of view? Sure. That along with this, this admin experience I had helped me with that because if you want to be even just, just for instance, you know, kind of your, one of your first step uh, in the process of learning is the defensive side, learning security in general. So you really need to understand the system and that technology to be able to defend it. And same thing with breaking into it. So you need to understand how the technology works. And how the security of it works to be able to break in. So it's kind of one of these things, a lot of times people are are getting started out. They're wanting to know where do they start. You know, they've got to learn all this, you know, technical skills before they could be a pen tester. But you can kind of do that in parallel. So as you're learning Windows, you can learn how to defend Windows and how to break into it. So you can do this all kind of at the same time. So really you have to understand that technology to be able to defend it or be able yep. to break into it. Another thing too is if you get a command line or a shell to a system or Windows or Linux system. And if you don't know the command line, like at a sysadmin level, you're going to be doing a lot of Googling. Right. <laughs> Which we do a lot of Googling in our jobs yes. anyway. But yeah, it gets you more comfortable. That's one of the things that when I took the OSCP course that I really, I took the course, you know, the first uh, 90 days or whatever you're working through the labs. That is where I felt like I learned the Linux side. I mean, I knew Linux. I had used Linux. But I didn't know it until I started doing OSCP, at least being comfortable with it. Yeah, writing the commands, uh, uh, having that stuff just in my head, not just where I reference it, but it's in the head. It's, you know, you could throw the syntax out, you know what to do because um, you're just doing it all the time. You know, you're just exposing exposing yourself to it you know, day in and day out while you're doing the labs. Um, well, that's great. I uh, If you, uh, we talked about, uh, in the other podcast, we talked about how cybersecurity is not necessarily entry level. So if you have entry level cybersecurity, it's not really entry level. I mean, you really got to have some sort of background. I myself came from desktop side. So I kind of came up from a uh, um, the operating system at the desktop level, the user experience, user accounts, things like that. A lot of people come up from networking. Sounds like you kind of come up from the infrastructure, the sysadmin side. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see... You know, when we're talking about um, people who are coming up, where uh, where do you see a lot of people, where do you see people getting the most benefit from? You know, that sysadmin side, the networking side, the desktop side, social engineering side. I mean, it's not just the, uh -huh. the technical side. There's a lot of different things. 
from from your experience in pen test, where where do you draw the most from? I think when you're doing like desktop support or sysadmin work, that's going to be one of the best places to get experience. I mean, if you're a network administrator, you're doing Cisco routers and switches. That's a good experience, but it's not going to give you enough overall depth because the main thing you're going to be testing or are going to be host at some point, even if you're doing a web app pen test, it's running on top of a server. So I think that's where you get the most bang for your buck, either desktop support or sysadmin, which they're both going to be more, they're going to be similar, you know, desktop support, you're de- dealing with more end users, right. you know, sysadmin, you're dealing more with the servers, more the the shared systems and that type of thing. So you get some similar skills. Right. No, I agree. I think uh, any exposure you have to like an operating system or a system in general that users are going to be using, you know, is beneficial. But again, that's going to be foreshadowing because we're going to talk about that on a whole podcast here soon. So stay tuned and check the website. Um, okay. So uh, you got into pen testing. Uh, you started doing pen testing. Um, tell us about some of those experiences you've had. What are some, uh, some fun things you had, some things you really learned a lot from, kind of your your growth in that field. Yeah, I'd say one of the most fun experiences I had, my favorite all-time hack, and my license plate actually reflects that on my car, but uh, my favorite all-time hack was SQL injection. I one time got command line access into the internal network through a SQL injection vulnerability. So I was running my burp suite scans, found that it might be vulnerable to SQL injection. So I started using SQL map to see if it was, to validate it. And sure enough, it was, they had XP command shell enabled. So I was able to get uh, command line access from the, from the internet. And the funny thing about it was, is the customer, this is my consulting days. Uh, the customer filed a risk acceptance because it was a development box. Really? Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. For all you risk managers out there listening to this podcast, you understand what all that means. So that's really funny. Um, so I, I got to ask, um, I don't ask this very often, except two pen testers. When you got in, how did that make you feel? Was that like, Woo-hoo! oh, it was a rush, yeah. <laughs> and it came at a it came at a really good time because I was in uh, Mississippi. My mom was in hospice care, and so my daughter and I lived out of a hotel for a month. And it's just not very, you know, happy times at all. And it's like the universe or God or someone, you know, gave me this win. Yeah, and it was kind of a little nice to take my mind off of. The things yeah. are going on. And so it's always a big thrill when you get uh, access to a system, whether it's, you know, domain admin or getting access from the internet to, uh, you know, even a network pen test or application pen test. Right. No, that's great. And uh, it, it does feel good when you get in. Um, okay. So tell me another story. Yeah. What, what was it that really, so that was your, your kind of that win. What's been, what's been some of the stuff you've really learned about organizations, about yourself, about, you know, the world, I guess, you know, from pen testing. I'd say some of the lessons I'd learned and kind of one of the things for anyone that's a pen tester or consultant is sometimes you're doing these pen tests and, you know, it's almost like your lawyer trying to defend your case because sometimes they don't believe it. You know, sometimes these sysadmins, Unix admins, network administrators have put in all this time to secure things and they just can't believe, okay, they think that they're patched and secure and you got in and they can't figure out why and you have to prove to them. And also lessons learned from that too, is when you're coming in to a pen test, always let them know from the beginning, we're on the same team. Yeah. This is a partnership. I'm trying to find weaknesses that may exist so you can make yourself more secure, kind of level set that. And I think also along as along with that, you know, a lot of times people want to celebrate 
the the pwnage or you know hacking the system but at the same time too you got to be you know kind of friendly towards and empathetic with the people you're doing the test for and and not you know be a bad sport you know you know it's kind of sportsmanship and security is just much pretty much as there is sports so i think also too when you're doing your pen tests i think it's always good to list the things that they did well yes that you're not coming in just totally trying to beat them up make them look bad yeah you know i've done pen tests before where i went into places and they had really good physical security i made sure to bring that out on the pen test report and then bring out any other areas i thought that they needed further testing in yeah well i mean as a CISO, that was really helpful to me because if uh if i got a bad report or if i got a, a pen test report and it just showed all the problems i mean it looks like i failed my job um and I did to an extent. I mean, I, you always want to catch those things before the pen tester, but certainly before the attackers do. Um, but it's also very useful when I go to the board, if the the report shows, hey, we were able to get these things done. We were successful in terms of, you know, preventing the at- these attacks. Um, there are things we need to work on. We need more funding or more resources or whatever. So it, it is useful from a CISO perspective of having both sides, you know, the side of, how you were successfully able to to SQL inject into an application we were running, but also that you couldn't get in these other ways. You know, it was both useful to me. I could spin both sides whenever I was talking to the board. So that's good. That's um, that's something that, I, you know, honestly, um, it was very refreshing when I came when I used when I worked for worked with Alias beforehand. Um, the reports were very different than I saw from other groups and from other pen testers and other, and actually it was even different from what I learned in OSCP. Um, you know, how you write those reports, what you do. We, I mean, we do all that. We, we do have those pieces in there, but there's that other piece of let's demonstrate what they did well. You know, here, here are the things that did not work. So anyway, this is just a extra little tidbit there about when you're writing your reports. Okay. Um, so what'd you do after you, after you became a pen tester, you had a few years experience to uh, give me a little bit more about yourself and kind of what you did. I know you speak a lot. And so I want to get into that piece of it. Sure. So after about five years of consulting, you know, back then a lot of companies didn't do internal pen tests remotely. They still weren't open to the idea of sending out a laptop or a Dropbox. A lot of people wanted to see the consultants on site. So I was doing a lot of traveling and wanted to get out of the traveling so I went to work for a bank doing pen tests for them. And it's a good experience because before that, my experience was performing the pen test, but it was good to, to, to be an internal resource and see how that works both ways. Because as a consultant, you know, there may be a pen test that typically you'd only get 40 hours for, but as an internal resource, you might get four weeks instead. Right. And so that's kind of the difference because companies don't always have the budgets to have, if they got so much testing they need to be done, Sometimes they'll have an internal team as well as as using consultants. So I kind of got to do that and see both ways and see how it was being done. And I could see some of the gaps and things that we weren't doing right internally because sometimes some of these internal pen test teams, they were built, people started there. They didn't really have experience outside of that. So what they're doing is what they've come up with and hope, and they just hope for the best that they're covering everything the way they, they should. So that was kind of experience to see the difference and kind of, see some of the gaps that are possible, you know, for organizations that, you know, if they're not doing things properly, what they're missing out on. Because one of the things I've seen a lot of too, with pen testing gaps 
is because of the compliance pen testing, which really brought the uh, importance of pen testing around, but a lot of companies were just doing it for the checkbox compliance. Right. But some of the things you see, the scopes being so narrow, uh, maybe they're just doing purely PCI. And just because you're PCI compliant, don't mean you're not, you're not going to get breached. Right. There's a lot of companies that are compliant with every regulatory uh, body that they're that's out there. They can still get breached if they're not making sure to thoroughly have those systems tested properly, making sure you're setting the goals, not just, just beyond the compliance to make it give you more bang for your buck. Yep. I, uh, I do a lot of PCI stuff so uh, for years and I always make good friends with the QSAs cause I mean, they're who you're working with. And one of the QSAs uh, made a joke to me once that he never met anybody that had a, a PCI breach that was PCI compliant. I sat there and I thought about it for a minute. It's like, okay, well, that's not fair. And he just starts giggling. He goes, well, I know, but if you were PCI compliant, you wouldn't have got breached. So if you got breached, you weren't PCI compliant. <laughs> and so he and I argued about that for a little bit. Anyway, it was just a little funny. Um, the, uh, so your, uh, your pen testing experience, I really like the, uh, the different viewpoint of the internal, cause you're right. You get to spend so much more time and you're ingrained in the organization doing that pen test, you know, as part of that organization, as opposed to coming in from the outside, doing all the attacks that, you know, you kind of, you put this list together in your head of things you're going to try, but when you're inside and you have this internal knowledge that you can really test controls and you can really get in deep into some of the systems, the subsystems of the network. So, um, that's, that's a, that's really good experience. I don't think a lot of pen testers get to have that type of experience and, and I can definitely see a lot of learning doing it that way. Yeah, it was a good experience. Yeah. And I definitely recommend anyone that's working as an internal resource, you know, spend some time consulting because you can learn a lot because, you know, you're in this one, you know, depending on the side of the environment, size of the environment, the bank I work for, we were busy with pen tests all the time, but there's some environments small enough that you're not pen testing full time. And so when you're pen testing as a consultant, you're kind of learning in dog years, you know, you, what you would learn in this one company, you're only, you know, working for the, the bank. I was only doing one pen test per month where working in consulting, I would have done four pen tests that month, different environments, not the same place over and over again. Right. Right. And you get to know the people, um, and the processes that they go through. And sometimes those processes help you and sometimes that, you know, gives you another way in, you know, so. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about your speaking. You know, when did you get into, um, cause I also want to talk about your podcast and other things that you do, but when did you, uh, get into speaking? You know, when did you start speaking at local conferences? Yeah. How did that process happen? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. My first conference I spoke at was in 2015. Uh, a former coworker of mine, uh, was doing this conference for people in the Nigerian banking industry and not the princes, but People actually legit Nigerians. <laughs> right, right. And so he did this conference and they did it in the States because security wise, it was a lot more secure to bring in the speakers and all this. And even with having to fly in yeah. all the attendees from, from Africa, it was more secure that way and more cost effective. But that was my first opportunity. And I spoke there and I wanted to speak more, but actually what even got me into speaking was they did the call for papers in 2013 for the B-Sides DFW, the Dallas-Fort Worth B-Sides. Right. And one of the people that coordinated the conference said the best job of his career he got because he spoke at conferences. And I thought, I need to do this, but I was really scared to speak in public. So I ended up going to Toastmasters 
to learn right. how to become a better speaker. Right. And most of all, overcome the fear. And so I spoke that one time, but I didn't speak again to 2018. But part of it was just trying to come up with a unique topic yeah. to speak on. But what really got me really involved in speaking was teaching because I started teaching at Dallas College in 2018. Okay. I started teaching pen testing, then added a web app pen testing course. And I saw these people, even before I became an adjunct instructor, I ran into a lot of people that were wanting to get into pen testing. So I was always sharing resources and trying to help them. Some people are going through the OSCP. I would share resources for learning. Right. And so that got me interested in it. I saw the need to to share with people how to get started in pen testing. So my class lecture that I gave uh, at the beginning of the semester, and actually for some of the other instructors in the college that taught cybersecurity classes, I turned into conference talk and gave it to B-Sides DFW in t- 2018 for the first time. Okay. That's then, very cool. And so then the speaking thing, the education piece really kind of gave me something to speak on. I was also a bug crowd ambassador. And so being a bug crowd ambassador, uh, I did some speaking for them and it just really kind of helped me become like a brand ambassador, which helped my overall brand. But I just started submitting for CFPs for a lot of different conferences and spoke to different, a lot of different conferences and teaching workshops. And that's kind of how it all got started. So do you remember the topic of your very first speaking engagement? Yeah, it was the Pentester Blueprint. Yeah, okay. Oh, uh, that was uh, 2018, but the first one was actually uh, pen testing web applications was the very first talk, the one for the Nigerian okay. uh, banking industry yeah. conference. That's great. I was While you were talking, I was trying to remember, I remember the topic of mine, but I don't remember what the title was, but it was, uh, I think it was uh, how to hack an organization through Twitter or something equivalent to that. It's taking pictures off of Twitter and using that to profile the organization to find a way to get in. Anyway, that was a long time ago I did that. <laughs> So, well, that's great. I heard you, uh, at lunch today, um, I heard you talking about the giving back in the industry and we were kind of all talking about that. And, um, that's one of the biggest things that I have seen, um, in, you know, going to all the different conferences that we go to is you have this handful of people that will give back. Um, and, uh, I think that's really important in the industry. You have to give back to the organization. You have to give back to the industry, you have to give back to the organization, of course. Um, but helping those, um, new people helping with pen testing or helping them with blue team or compliance or whatever, really, that's how you transfer that knowledge, you know, is, um, that's why I've always looked at it anyway. I wanted to give that knowledge back to the next generation, you know, the stuff that I learned and the stories that I had or the jokes that I have, um, give that to the next generation so that they can otherwise do it, you know, coming up after us. So anyway, I really appreciate that. And I'm, and I only I was only able to catch a little bit of your talk the other day, but it was it was a lot of fun. Um, spoiler: there is a bear involved in one of his presentations. Actually, it may be a lot of your presentations, so you guys will have to figure that out on your own. Um, but okay, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, what interested you in Alias um, for Alias Cybersecurity. You know, having. First of all, we're all excited. You know, the, the moment that uh, you accepted, it was a, a note went out to all the employees and there was hooping and hollering and all kinds of partying and stuff. So what, uh, what interested you in uh, entertaining the opportunity to, to come here? Sure. Actually, the first way, how I first found out about Alias was back in 2021. It was at Texas Cyber Summit. Uh, actually, it was Hughes Con, maybe where I first met Andrew Lemon. He used to work here. Yeah. So I met Andrew and we run each other conferences. Uh, I actually had him on my, on my podcast and then he was talking about the conference that you guys run. 
Yeah. So I submitted a talk there. And so when I spoke there last year, I got to meet a lot of people from the team. Okay. So I get to meet Tanner and Donovan and several others uh, that I got to meet. And one of the experiences, everyone, every time I've always been around anyone, I've never had a bad experience. Everyone is always super nice. Uh, looks like you guys always have fun. And, you know, after being through some experiences where, you know, it seems like some companies that all the focus is money, money is important, but yeah. sometimes when that's the, the most important thing, then a lot of things are missed out, missing out. Yeah. And just kind of seeing the culture here and how everyone was. And it's one of the last times, I guess, well, I actually saw uh, Donovan at Texas Cyber Summit. So we saw each other there and keep running to you guys. And when I was looking to make a move, needed another job, I thought about reaching out to Donovan and just said, hey, I'm looking for a job. Didn't know if there was any possibilities. And so I was very excited whenever you guys made me an offer. Yeah. No. Uh, so Lemon, um, uh, of course, he was here for at least several years. And uh, he and I, he, uh, I had worked with him at conferences and had him do some work for me at the, you know, my previous job. And, and, uh, it's always a lot of fun to, to get with him and, you know, challenge him in terms of some of the attacks and stuff. So I, uh, I met Tanner through Lemon. Um, I knew Donovan, you know, beforehand and I knew, you know, uh, uh, Andrew Nolan and a few others you know, here, but it was that group of people, the same kind of group of people that you had interacted with that got me here. Um, and it really is. This is a this is a fun place. Um, I'll, I'll I'll tell you the reason why it's fun is because of the team. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the team that makes it fun. Yeah, you know, whether it's the engineering side or the business side, or you know, and, and and we do have that. Literally, the sides of the building. You know, business side, the engineering side. But it's not like that. I mean, everyone gets together. Everyone helps each other. Everyone is there for each other. Um, so, uh, I hope you, uh, hope you really enjoyed here cause we're really excited to have you. Um, and it is a lot of fun. Um, the, the stuff that we're able to do. And, uh, I don't know if Donovan told you this, he told, this is how he got me here and this is how he talked to me was, uh, uh, I want you to come and help us help people, you know, and that's, that's what we do here. And that's, uh, that's what I'm really excited about. And I, it kind of feels like you're the same way you want to help people. You want to improve them, educate them, help improve their systems, you know, whatever, but it's to help the industry and help people. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and that's the good thing about cult, the culture too, is it's top down from the CEO, you know, some places, you know, maybe there's certain areas that are better than others, but it just seems to be, I don't know, good from the top down, which, yeah. which is good to see. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And, um, for those of you who are, uh, are looking for opportunities in the future. Um, you know, uh, of course, I'm going to brag on Alias uh, Cybersecurity because I'm really proud to work here. Uh, well, yeah, I, I wear the ADF brand uh, proudly. And, uh, but, you know, that's one of the things that I always tell people is the, the team is going to make it worthwhile. So it, wherever you go, um, you know, go talk to people, go talk to the, uh, the team members, go talk to the leadership, go talk to everybody. When it's right, you'll know it. Um, so anyway, a little tidbit for you. Well, um, talk to this, talk to us a little bit about your uh, podcast. Um, you, cause, uh, in our world, um, you are extremely famous. You've got a huge amount of followers and everybody knows you. And I know this for a fact because, uh, um, everywhere that I went with you at 
Security Congress, everybody was coming up to you and yeah, you, I mean, you knew everybody. So tell us about your podcast. Tell us about your, uh, uh, the things that you do outside of, outside of your regular work. Sure. So I've been podcasting for coming up on four years. The very first podcast I did was with Chloe, uh, Miss Doggy and Alyssa Miller. It was called the Uncommon Journey Podcast. And so we did that for about a year and just got to where, uh, the two of them, they speak a lot at conferences too. So trying to schedule our three schedules plus the guests was kind of tough. So it's hard to get the podcast in. Things had kind of slowed down a little bit. And the people at ITSP Magazine came to us and asked if we wanted to start our own individual podcast. So I started the Hacker Factory podcast. And the goal originally was offensive security. And I kind of, this kind of happens a lot because I, I have a a meetup group. It's a DEF CON group now, DEF CON 940 in Denton, Texas. Okay. I used to run a group called the Pwn School Project, and I ran meetings in Denton and Dallas. The intent at first was offensive security focused, but then as I got th- got into it, it's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff needed on Blue Team. There's more Blue Team jobs than there are offensive security jobs, and so there's a need for this. So it expanded. And the same thing with my podcast, The Hacker Factor, I started out, it was going to be mainly hacking related defensive security and this time going on just learned the lesson again this needs to be more uh broader scope and so with the new podcast i went independent uh back in april to do my own thing on my own and this time i didn't call it uh anything related to just a specific type of security even left it opened up enough if i want to do topics even outside of security uh i just called it the philip wiley show that way People know of me, they'll be able to find my new podcast. And also one of the things, mentioning things, not specifically just cybersecurity, I had a trainer on for my gym that is a uh, meditation practitioner. So he teaches people meditation and, you know, a lot of times in cybersecurity, you know, people are starting to learn that mental health yeah, is an issue, yeah. trying to avoid burnout and stuff. So I thought it'd be a good, uh, a good guest to have on there. So like I said, not having the name specific, it leaves it open to yep. any type of guest I want. So I started in April, but I've got over 50, 53 or 54 episodes recorded. So I wanted to do a year's, I wanted to catalog since I was starting up new. Yeah. So anyone to come along, you know, there was a, a catalog of previous podcasts to listen to. So I got all those done and I like to, to rest in December, take, take it a little easier because you know how it gets in September, October, yeah. in November, the conferences, there's a lot going on and then you're just kind of ready. You're starting to get almost burnt out. So you need to rest. Yeah. So I record everything up ahead of time. So that way I can be done with my podcast. It's actually pretty much done recording for the year. Okay. Just edit and publish those. And, and this time around I'm doing seasons. So I'm about to wrap up the first season and start season two in January. So. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot of, that's a lot of effort. I mean, yeah. A lot of work, a lot of effort into that, just trying to make sure you get it in that short amount of time. Um, I, that's that's impressive. My previous podcast, I had a total of 118 episodes. Wow. And a little over two years. That's crazy. <laughs> Again, it goes back to giving back to the industry. Yeah. Um, because uh, you don't really make a lot of money in podcasting. Nope. You know, not, not in the cyber field anyway. At least I don't. And um but it, it does feel good when you're able to get that out there and get that out and to help people. Yeah, definitely. And a good example too, this is what keeps me going because I run to conferences. We had conferences that run to people that listen to the podcast that encourages them. 
And getting the feedback is what keeps me going with the podcast. I ran into a couple at Hack SpaceCon back in April, and he was a construction engineer going to school for cybersecurity. And he came to the conference because I was teaching a workshop there. And so when he stepped away, his wife was saying, thank you for doing the podcast. He said, she said, there's times I can't encourage him, but your podcast does. Oh, that's And so when I heard that, it's just, these are just kind of indicators that I need to keep doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. That's great. That really is great. Wow. Well, uh, we're, we're getting up on to, uh, our, our time limit, but I do want to talk just a little bit about, uh, what you're hoping to, to achieve here at, at Alias. Um, uh, this is technically his very first day here. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've been talking about him for last couple of weeks or so, you know, off and on, but this is your first day here at the office, first day working at the, uh, at Alias. So what are you looking forward to? What is it you're, uh, you're excited about here? Well, just really one of the things I think that I'll be able to help a lot is just bring more brand awareness to the company. Yep. Uh, you know, there's some situations you walk into and you say, yeah, I could really help this company out yeah. because they need it. Technical side. Yeah. I can't imagine being able to do much there, but I just know with, with my following and my brand, I can help bring yeah. awareness to the company. And when I go to work for companies, I want to work somewhere, you know, I work for like the banks and stuff, the fortune 50 companies, fortune 100 companies, fortune 500. It's really kind of hard to help, but. Yeah. Smaller organizations is easier to help. So part of my goal is to help the company, help them get more business and, and yep. be more successful. So I plan to, to leverage my network and social media to help, uh, bring awareness to alias and yeah. get more work and help get the good word out on us. Yeah, absolutely. We're, uh, I'm excited, personally excited, number one, to learn from you, um, and to to work with you, I mean, you've got such a background in, in pen testing and the podcasting and everything that you do. Um, so that's, uh, that made me really excited in terms of bringing that skill set here to Alias. But uh, just on a personal level, I'm really excited to to pick your brain and to to engage. Um, so I, I we're all very, very excited. You know, I've said that several times um, it's because we're excited. I'm excited to be here too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is going to be fun. I really think that this is going to be a great opportunity uh, for us to, to grow and to, to uh, take advantage of, of what you bring us. So with that said, I think that we're going to uh, end this introduction to Philip. We're, uh, we are glad that he is here. We've got great opportunities coming forward. And again, our next podcast is going to get more into specific how does somebody get into pen testing um, and what they need to do to start thinking about that and really what, because it is different than what it was 15 years mm-hmm. ago, uh, even different from what it was 10 years ago. So uh, we're excited to sit down and really talk about that. So Philip, thank you again for coming on the podcast with us. Thank you for coming to Alias Cybersecurity. Everybody else, I will, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end the podcast here and you guys have a great rest of the day and we'll see you next time on the next podcast. Thanks everybody. Bye.